Please be seated. As you're being seated, if you'll open your Bibles to Psalm 46, I believe it's page 471 in the Pew Bible. Mine might be a little bit different, but uh, Psalm 46 this morning is what we're going to look at. As has been mentioned, we uh, stand at the threshold looking back into 2013 and looking into 2014. And so it's appropriate for us to take a moment and reflect today to be still before the Lord. It's appropriate for us to remember God's goodness in the past and look forward and anticipate His goodness in the future. I'm not going to read the entirety of this right now. I'll be covering the chapter in a moment. But looking at Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, we ask this morning that you would come and that you would teach us in the name of Christ. Amen. Christmas has passed, and I hope that it was a wonderful one for you to be with family and friends. And forgive me as I enter into a moment of um, commercialism, but I love Christmas now that I have children because it's a, it's a renewal of the fun gifts, right? When you grew up, you knew that uh, the, the tree was underneath was filled with uh, many different kinds of toys and, and fun things to play with. So Christmas afternoon was about putting things together and about playing toys, and then you hit the college years and the single years perhaps, where Christmas becomes uh, a time where gifts are Maybe a little more practical, a little less fun, clothes and things like that. And so then when you have your own children or you have grandchildren, it's a, it's a whole new time where gifts are perhaps more fun, where there is that sound of uh, kids tearing into wrapping and uh, kids building things and playing with things. And so it's been good for me too as well because the single years for me were, were a strange time because I would still find myself in the toy aisle to see what the newest toys are, but I'd get the strange looks from people who's wondering what I was doing there. But now that I'm a dad, I can be on the toy aisle, and, and they can look at me, and I can say, oh, but I'm married, I have kids, so it's okay. Uh, so that our, our Christmas has been filled with uh, particularly Legos this year. Uh, Legos uh, from J.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, as the newest movie has just come out, and so we have been building and playing and dreaming and exploring different worlds together. And so uh, we have seen uh, hobbits and orcs, and we've seen fortresses, and we've seen towers, and we've built them, and we've played with them. We've recently gone to see the second Hobbit movie, and so they too are filled with fortresses, with uh, citadels, uh, with battles. In preparation for this sermon, I was looking over Psalm 46 and didn't realize, but it was Martin Luther's, one of his favorite psalms. Uh, He loved particularly uh, the rendering of it, in a mighty fortress is our God. And so it brings us to this place this morning of of looking at God as a fortress, a strong tower, a place of refuge and strength. One writer said this, it is said of Luther that there were times during the dark and dangerous periods of the Reformation when he was terribly discouraged and depressed. He would turn to this psalm for comfort in the form of a mighty fortress is our God. And Luther himself said, we sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us 
and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. So why are we looking at this psalm this morning? Because perhaps, like Luther, maybe 2013 has been a time of chaos, of difficulty for you. Uh, Perhaps today is. Perhaps 2014 will be. And so we too, like Luther, may face that dark and dangerous and difficult period. Maybe you're coming out of it. Maybe, unbeknownst to us, we are entering into it, but we see around us in our world the chaos that is there. And we have to ask the question, who will protect us? Who will preserve us? Who will help us during these difficult times? And the psalmist here wonderfully cries out, it is our God who will protect us. He is a mighty fortress, a place for us to run. He is that sure foundation, that still, quiet voice in the midst of chaos. So today, this morning, is a time to be still before the Lord and to know Him. And we'll get three different things this morning, or three sections. This psalm is wonderfully broken up for us very easily. In this first section, verses 1 through 3, we see God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains uh, tremble with its swelling. God is our refuge and strength. And I wonder if you know that this morning, if you've experienced that sense of peace in resting in Him. The psalmist here is looking backwards in a sense. He's looking out into the world. He's looking to the chaos that is there. But not just in the political landscape he's looking. He's particularly looking at the world itself, the earth that is under his feet. He looks to a time when there was chaos. Perhaps he was looking back to his forefathers, to Genesis chapter 11, to the time of Noah, when the world itself was in chaos, was in chaos through the flood. Genesis 7, 11 says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, and on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth And the windows of the heavens were opened. Imagine standing there with Noah as the ark is prepared to leave and the fountains of the deep explode upward. The rivers begin to rise. The skies grow dark and unload their water from their centers. We look to a time when Noah would have been in awe and frightened by the power of God as the landscape around him was changed was watching something the other day, and there was a preview for a movie coming out this next year called Noah. And uh, it is a movie about this biblical account, and they had a picture or a scene depicting this time when the fountains of the deep opened forth, and these geysers going hundreds of feet into the air were shooting from under the ground all over the landscape, and what it must have been like for the very ground that you stand on to become unstable, to be shaken for the deep to open forth and for the skies above you to pour forth. And so perhaps the psalmist is remembering a time when the world around him was chaotic. The Lord placed Noah in the ark to protect him with the animals. He gave him a place 
of quiet and stillness in the midst of this chaos. He told him to be still and know that he is God. In the midst of this judgment, in the midst of the chaos around, God tells him, be still, Noah, and know that I am God. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Noah saw this. Perhaps the writer of this psalm saw something like this as well. Maybe we've never seen something quite as chaotic as that, but if you've lived any length of time, you've seen hurricanes blow through. I can remember one time traveling with a group of us to Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina, and I remember standing in a young teenage girl's room that was devastated by the floodwaters that had poured from the ocean, a room that prior to that had been a bright neon pink, a four-postered bed, all the trinkets that a young high school girl will collect over the years, all the memorabilia, all destroyed, much of it washed out to sea. And I remember standing there taking a shovel and emptying the contents of her room into a wheelbarrow to be disposed of. And it reminded me of the chaos that can come around us. It can sweep in in a moment and destroy the things that we hold dear. I don't know what 2013 has looked like for you, I don't know if you felt like the ground that you stand on, the things that you thought were sure have been removed, have shaken underneath you. Perhaps the foundations of your life have given way. Perhaps you've felt battered by life's waters. Those things that we think are immovable, perhaps the love of a loved one, perhaps a father or a mother who we thought would always be there has no longer been there. We see our finances deteriorated, our our bodies perhaps rise up against us. And so at any moment, we all can cry out with the psalmist to say, my God, where are you in the midst of this? And he says, be still and know that I am God. And so the psalmist here tells us to look back and remember that in the midst of things that have happened in our past, God indeed is with us. Where do we run during those times? Noah ran to the ark. The psalmist here runs to his Lord, a strong tower. Where do we run when the world around us seems in chaos? Perhaps we run to money or to food, to family. But a line from that hymn, A Mighty Fortress, says, Let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. It reminds us that we are to run to the Lord, that even those things that we think are secure and safe can be taken away, can be shaken. The Lord has promised to be a shield in the midst of chaos, not to necessarily remove the chaos, but to be a shield, a protector. And if you'll notice in after verse 3, there is that peculiar word that you'll see throughout the Psalms that we tend to skip over, that word salah. It means pause or break. The Psalms were hymns to be sung, and this might have been an indicator to the, to the singers, to the musicians, to break, to pause. But it's a reminder to us to stop, to take a breath, to contemplate what has just been said. And so that really is what this morning is. As we are here today on Sunday, right before the new year, we're to pause, we're to take a breath, we're to remember what's come before us, 
We're to look forward to the future. We're to remember our God who says, Be still and know that I am God. The psalmist moves on in verse 4 to say, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Salah. Again, we see the psalmist returning to his Lord. And this is a moment where, as the psalmist has just looked back, in a moment he will look forward. Now the psalmist is calling us to look down, to take a moment and ponder today what is going on in our lives today. The context that the psalmist is writing about here is in the midst of some chaos, some turmoil in his life, in the life of Israel. He tells us to look down and notice the day. Many believe that the immediate circumstances that the writer was talking about was some military intervention or some military threat against them, perhaps threatening Jerusalem. Many believe that 2 Kings 18 and 19 are precisely the time period that this psalmist is writing in where the Assyrian king Sennacherib, his army, is defeated. And the psalmist is taking a moment to pause and to remember and to look at the day that is filled with chaos, the day that is filled with uncertainty, but also filled with God's protection as the danger perhaps has passed. But this danger to him was real. It was momentary. It was happening to him. And so this psalm is written not in a vacuum, not simply to us in our modern culture, but it was written at a time when the psalmist had to stop and ask for the Lord's blessing, stop and ask for the Lord's protection for himself and for his people. He calls the Lord the Lord of hosts. It's a military term. The Lord of the army, the Lord of the angel army. And this would have been important to him in the midst of what he was dealing with. He also calls God the God of Jacob. We know a little of Jacob. Jacob was the one who was stilled by the Lord. The one who had to be immobilized. Genesis 12 reminds us that as Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, he would not let go. And the Lord touched his hip, throwing it out of socket. The Lord intervened there. And so Jacob was stilled by the Lord as he continued to fight on in his stubbornness. So we see the power of God there, and we hear the power of God being spoken of by the psalmist. We see other instances of his world as he speaks about this river, referring to the stream of Siloam, a very important concept when your city is under attack to have fresh water flowing in to keep the people hydrated, to keep the people moving. So this besieged city of Jerusalem that perhaps he's speaking of here was very important to him. And then towards the end there, he speaks of Jerusalem, the future Jerusalem. So the psalmist has taken a moment to give us pause, to look back, to see the chaos of this world, perhaps even in nature itself. He's called us to take a moment to look down at our day, this very day, 
and to remember God's goodness. What's happening today with you? Has this been a good Christmas season for you? Has it been one filled with joy and family and friends? Has something happened to disrupt those good times? Is today a hard day for you, physically, emotionally, perhaps spiritually, this has been a dry time for you? It's been wonderful for family, but it's been a time where you have not felt close to the Lord. So the psalmist calls us back. He says, stop. He says, pause. And remember to be still before the Lord. The psalmist moves on from there in verses 8 through 11 and says, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And then verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In essence, the psalmist is taking our faces in his hand and he's saying, look up. Don't look back. Don't just look down at your lives. Look up. As I encouraged you to look back and remember God's greatness, His goodness, His faithfulness to Noah as I protected him, as the world around him raged, as I've encouraged you to take a moment to to be still, to pause, and to look at your day today, so too, says the psalmist, do I lift your head to the future to look up, not just anticipating what might go wrong, not with terror in your hearts, but to remember the goodness of the Lord, that heaven awaits us through Jesus Christ, that we are to have great hope that this shepherd, that this strong tower, this fortress, this refuge and strength awaits us in heaven for all of eternity. One writer said about these verses, he said that this section was looking to the future where God will defeat all enemies and establish his eternal reign. We see this ultimately having been done in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That heaven is secured for his children because of Jesus. We see through Jesus that God is establishing his eternal reign. And so the psalmist, when he speaks of Jerusalem, he hints, he points forward to that eternal Jerusalem, that heavenly Jerusalem that awaits us through Jesus Christ. And it ought to give us hope that whatever transpires in this world, whatever difficulties we face today, that an eternity awaits us, an eternal Jerusalem. But the psalmist also tells us to be still. Anytime you've been around children, been around parents, you've heard that phrase, can you not just be still? I love the word just at the beginning of that, as if that's the easiest thing for a small child to do. We've been hunting for a new minivan, and so oftentimes we've been traveling uh, six of us in one vehicle, made really for no more than three, probably. Um, But we've enjoyed our time together, but their constant refrain is, can you just be still? Can you just be still? And I find myself saying it over and over again. 
Just be still. Not only do children find it difficult to be still, so do we as adults. Just be still. Just take a moment. Be calmed. Be enriched. Be encouraged. As we look up and forward into 2014, God tells us to be still. This morning, be stopped by the Lord and know that He is God. It doesn't mean stop working. It doesn't mean stop moving. It means be stilled by the Lord. Be, be held by the Lord. Be protected by the Lord. Perhaps there are those here this morning who have never been still before the Lord. Perhaps you've never thought a moment about God and His kingdom, about yourself and your standing with Him. Perhaps this morning is a moment of stillness for you as the Lord calls you to repentance and faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. So our prayer this morning is that today is the beginning of stillness, not an activity, but spiritual stillness, where you cease to fight against God and His kingdom, where you cease to rage against the difficulties of life, but you come before the Lord and you rest and you're still and you find Him to be a strong tower, a resting place through Jesus Christ. So our prayer is that today is the day of salvation for you at the beginning of this new year, that today you will be still and for the first time know that He is God. For those who do know the Lord today but still struggle with stillness, who still struggle with the inability to stop fretting, to stop worrying, to stop trying to control life, to be still, to be held by the Lord, to trust in Him, to hold on to Him, to rest in Him as a strong tower. This message this morning is for us as well. There are times where the Lord tells us to be still, and there are other times where He causes us to be still, are there not? We need to be made still by the Lord at times. A variety of ways that God does this. He can bring stillness to our lives as He overwhelms us by His power and by His goodness. We saw this in the book of Exodus, Exodus 14, where God brings His people out of bondage in Egypt, and He brings them to a place of stillness. Behind them is chaos. Behind them is slavery. Behind them is death as the Egyptians pursue them. In front of them is the depths of the Red Sea. And God says, stop and be still and know that I am God. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The NIV uses the word still there. So God brings the children of Israel out of bondage. He brings them right to the edge of the Red Sea, a place of fear and worry and anxiety as quick on their heels as the Egyptian people or the Egyptian army. And God says, stop and be still. And then He overwhelms them with His power, His control over nature. Just as He overwhelmed Noah, so too did He overwhelm Moses as he lifted his staff in the air and God parted the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry land. God overwhelmed them with his majesty and his might. And so there are times where God brings stillness to our life as we are overwhelmed by his displays of power. 
Have you been overwhelmed this year? Have you seen God's work in your life and the work of in the lives of others? Have you been stopped and stilled as you are forced to recognize God is powerful and mighty and you are not? The things that you cannot act on, the things you cannot control, the things you cannot heal, you've seen God work in and through you. And so God has brought you to a place of stillness, perhaps through a display of His power. Perhaps He will do it this year. Perhaps He will bring you to a place where you are still. Other times, the Lord brings us to a place of stillness as He lovingly disciplines us. Perhaps this past year has been a year of of sin in your life, of recurring sin, of unrepentant sin, and the Lord has brought you to a place of repentance, but He's done it through stillness. He's captivated you. He's held you. He's taken things away. He's brought other things in your life to remind you of your sin, to bring you to a place of repentance. Perhaps you've felt this year like Jonah, who said, The engulfing waters threatened me, and the deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Has that been your experience today, this past week, this past year? Might it be in your future as the Lord grips you, wraps His arms around you in loving discipline to draw you away from your sin? Perhaps sinking you to a a depth as He did with Jonah. Will you respond as Jonah responded? But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. And so the Lord brings us to a place of stillness, sometimes through discipline. The Lord also brings us to a place of stillness before He changes our direction. Perhaps this last year has been a, a change in your life, a direction change, a new job, a new home, new family members. Perhaps this coming year will be a course change for you. And the Lord is bringing change into your life to cause you to pause to cause you to rest in Him, to cause you to say, Lord, my God, You are my refuge and my strength. So how do we know when the Lord is employing one of these? Did Joseph know when he sat in the pit after being sold by his brothers where the Lord was taking him? Did Joseph know when he was in Potiphar's home being accused of rape? Did Joseph know when he sat in prison where the Lord was taking him? He, he didn't. And yet the Lord brought him to a place of stillness before he redirected his life, before he used his life in miraculous and mighty ways. Do we know which one of these the Lord is doing? We don't oftentimes do. Much of the time we have to look back. We have to look back months and perhaps even years before we're given any kind of answer to the question. Joseph didn't know, but at the end he did. Genesis fifty twenty says, You, talking to his brothers, intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph was able to look back and say, I can see what the Lord was doing. He caused me to pause. He brought me to a place of stillness for his own glory and for the good of the people. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, 
and who have been called according to his purpose. Paul knew, in looking back over his life, that God did indeed have a plan for that Damascus blinding, that Damascus conversion. We don't oftentimes know which one of these the Lord is using or when they will come, but we do know that God imposes times of stillness on us for our good. What about times of self-imposed stillness? Are you good at that? Are you good at slowing down? Are you good at stopping and reflecting? Are you good at looking back? Many of us aren't. I've been reading through a book uh, by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy. And it talks about the fact that we are so busy that we neglect the important things in our lives and get caught up in many other things that are not as He quotes Mark chapter 1, where it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Christ knew that there would be others who would want to dictate his schedule. There would be many in his life who sought him for different reasons. And even the disciples were very guilty of trying to control who could see him, send the children away, they're not as important, what he would do. There are many more who want to worship you, Lord. We want to lift you up as our king to over throw the Romans. And so the Lord knew that there were many, even in his own camp, even closest to him, who wanted to dictate his schedule. And so Christ knew that it was up to him to set his priorities, to pursue his God's, his Father's priorities. And so early in the morning, Christ Jesus, foregoing sleep, would rise and go to a solitary place. He prioritized his life to say, it is most important for me to pray. It is most important for me to be with my Father before I face the busyness of the day. And the disciples said, we need to go because the people are looking for you. And Christ said, let's move on. These people seek me to make me their king. Let's move on to the nearby villages. I came to preach. I came to bring a message of deliverance. Let's move on. And so Christ, in a sense, each day would impose a time of stillness where he too would be reminded that his God and Father was a refuge and a strength. If Christ Jesus needed to do that, how much more do you and I need to do that? Will 2014 be a year of rebirth and revitalization for you? If it is, it will come predominantly through God's Word, through time in His Word, through prayer. And the wonderful thing is that we've just spent a moment of God-imposed stillness, if it were, as we celebrated Christmas. That time where all the world, whether they want to or not, takes a moment to reflect on Christ, the baby in the manger. Where God brings us to a place of stillness as a society. We, We take vacations, we take breaks from work, we pause on that day, and we celebrate Jesus Christ, the baby born. And so Christ Jesus, this season, in essence, is given to us by the Lord to to tell us to stop, to be still, and know that I am God. Know that I am Emmanuel, God with us. 
This morning is a time of Sabbath rest and worship. How do we do do on Sunday mornings, on Sunday evenings, on the afternoon, on this day that is given to us to stop, to be still, to pause from work, to pause from school, to pause from our regular activities, to rest and to worship? Will 2014 be a year where we reclaim the Sabbath as the Lord's, all of it, not just a portion, to do with it what He would have us to do, to be still and know that He is God. How about family stillness? Fathers, how are we doing in bringing times of stillness to our homes? I've been reading through Rick Phillips' book, The Masculine Mandate, where he talks about family devotions and prayer time. If you don't have family devotions, I implore you, it's not too late. Whether your kids are 2 or 20, or 40 or 60. It is not too late to open God's Word daily and simply read a verse. Encourage God's Holy Spirit to work in the lives of those listening and to pray. It's not too late, fathers, to, before you go to bed or as you rise in the morning, to go to your children and pray over them, with them, and for them. It's not too late to spend a Saturday night in preparation in large ways and small ways to prepare our hearts and minds, fathers and mothers, prepare your families to come before the Lord on the Lord's day. And so there are times when we need to impose a time of stillness in our own lives, and we need to as well with our families. The psalmist in Psalm 46 has brought us to a place where we've looked back, where we've looked down at this day, and where we've looked forward. So why have we looked at this passage today? Like I said at the beginning, because like Luther, we too have faced in the past, or like Luther, we are today facing, or like Luther, we too very well could face dark and dangerous and difficult periods. We need the Lord. We need to be still before Him. We need to be reminded that He is that great tower. He is that immovable object, that sure foundation that tower of strength, that still, quiet voice. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this day to pause. Salah. Father, we need to be stilled. We need your spirit this day to move into our hearts, to calm the chaos that is there, The chaos in the world may not cease. It may grow worse. Our lives may get get more difficult this coming year. And yet our hearts, our minds, our souls can be places of peace and joy and stillness as we step inside that strong tower, as we pause, as we allow you through your word and through uh, through prayer, through worship, to still us, to bring us our, our, our focus, our minds back to you, our hearts back to you. Lord, I pray that 2014, whatever chaos it may bring, whatever joy, whatever difficulties it may bring, that it will be a year of stillness as we learn that you indeed are a refuge and a strength. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand for the Lord's benediction, but keep your bulletins ready as we will sing the benediction afterwards.
God's people hear this benediction taken from Psalm 46. May the Lord of hosts, the God of Jacob, that strong fortress, bless you today with stillness and make himself known to you. Amen. Thank you.